Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Wynn, and welcome to the Roker Report Extra podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen as we hesitantly look ahead to Sunderland's clash with Doncaster at the Stadium Light on Saturday. Uh, So rather than have our usual panel, which I'm sure would have descended into another rant uh, on our defeat to Shrewsbury in midweek, we have a friend of the pod who, by virtue of being raised a stone's throw from Roker Park and being a season ticket holder of Sunderland for many years, is an expert on both sides of this fixture. He's followed Doncaster Rovers since 2006 for the Doncaster Free Press and has also featured in such publications as the Scottish Sun, Yorkshire Post, Sheffield Star and the Sunderland Echo, which I've just been <laughs> informed of. Uh, we are, of course, very pleased to be joined by Paul Goodwin. Welcome, Paul. Thanks very much, Chris. Lovely intro. I quite fancy the rant, actually. Uh, obviously leading me <laughs> down a different path, but yeah, plenty going on, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, when we get on the Sunderland stuff, you, you get into rant mode, because uh, I'll tell you what I did in, on the pod during midweek. So. Well, it's a tough shift at the minute, isn't it, being a Sunderland fan? Yeah. In lockdown as well, blimey. It is, that's a good way to put it, a, a tough shift. Uh, but but how are you keeping at the moment, you all right? Yeah, good. I think, like most people, like ourselves, I think the sport is making a massive difference. A live sport, waking up, watching a bit of test cricket, a bit of horse racing, a bit of football, it's keeping us going, but like you say, the, the bit the bits and bobs of Sunderland I have seen, it's been a really tough watch. Like it's oh, it's hard work and that's not enjoyable. And we'll come on to talking about Doncaster in, in yeah. depth. But one of the things I was going to raise initially was that I enjoy watching Rovers. They've put a team together which are enjoyable to watch. I watched Sunderland, those two games on Sky, I was struggling, Chris. I was struggling big time. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that because um, I mean, uh, like you said, watching Sunderland has been uh, an absolute chore this year. That's it. Um, yeah. It really has, especially ten pound a pop. But uh, just before we get into it, I mean, I, I had this down as your second time on our pod, but uh, you, you think it might be more than that? It, it might, it might be, it might be my second or my third. It yeah, also it blends into my memories fade, and I think the older I get. But <laughs> uh, we're joking. Before we came on, uh, yeah, I tend to come on here and. In the past, I've really bigged up Doncaster. Um, I think they have got a good reputation for playing football the right way. They play really nice football to watch. I've come on here a few times and, and bigged them up and they've never really delivered against Sunderland for whatever reason. There's a few theories, perhaps Sunderland are a bit more physical. You know, the physicality might not 
um, help Doncaster. But yeah, the stage in my life being up there and Doncaster failed to deliver a couple of yeah. times. And a lot happened since, <laughs> to be fair. Um, the obvious one being kind of a small matter of uh, of a pandemic, which we've already <laughs> kind of touched on. I mean, with your job being all about speaking to people and getting backgrounds on stories and things, I mean, how, how difficult has it made your role and and how you do your job? Um, oh, not not having sport has been a major problem. My job's slightly different now in that I'm I'm less involved with the the football side and a lot more with with the other sport, community sport, amateur sport that's going on, and, and obviously it's been a complete washout. During these lockdowns, no sport going on, so I'm having to look, you know, for alternative stuff to to make sure that our coverage continues. Um, but we've we've signed, we've kind of teamed together, and and there's there's enough things going on around sport. You know, you can always talk about sport, different angles to to keep things ticking over. But it's it's certainly it's become a, a major thing, hasn't it? Um, in terms of just, I think people's mental health is such a massive thing now, and it, it certainly helps me having the sport on. Um, and again, which lends us into the whole Sunderland thing and how difficult it has become to watch that. And, that. and it's a shame, isn't it, really? It's really sad that people aren't getting the satisfaction and the enjoyment out of it. The Sunderland fans really are being shortchanged at the moment. It's it's a sad state of affairs, really. I'll try and, I'll try and keep this upbeat as I, as I can. That's moving on to Doncaster, <laughs> well, <you> should, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, you should. Yeah, if you'd heard me on the... On the the post uh, Shrewsbury pod, uh, I was I was a lot worse than that. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a toss of a coin whether it actually has been a good thing or not for people's uh, mental health when it comes to Sunderland. That we've actually started up again, but mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, if we if we kind of touch on kind of Doncaster Rovers first, I mean, when I was looking back at the the last few seasons, it's kind of been a bit of a kind of rise and rise of of Doncaster Rovers since they came back into League One twenty eighteen. Um, first year they finished fifteenth, kind of getting used to life in in League One, but. But since then, I mean, because they came third in League Two, so they didn't storm League Two, you know, roller coaster it. But since then, they've kind of suddenly leapt into a club that you almost kind of expect to be in the mix in terms of being top six year after year in League yeah, One. Yeah. Um, something they're repeating kind of this season. Um, but it's been done against like you know a backdrop of losing managers and top scorers. So I mean, kind of what what's the secret? Are they just a well run club, or is that a bit of luck along the way? Yeah, essentially. That's probably, you've hit the nail on the head, a very well-run club. And the, the gentleman um, in charge, Terry Brammel, was the big man at Keepmore PLC, the building firm. So he's literally sort of put the building blocks in place, if you like, a very sensible, a very shrewd man. Um, he doesn't take many risks, but he, he wants things done properly. He wants the job done properly. He's a very sort of, um, yeah, sensible guy with big morals, you know, looks to employ the right kind of people. And I think when they went down to League Two, ultimately they got a bit of a shock there. It was a bit of a plummet from the days where they were in the championship under Sean O'Driscoll. They, they sort of mm. running up and up and it reached a point where they had to slip down and rebuild again. And that season in League Two that they rebuilt under Darren Ferguson and, and what Fergie did, I think he was a very sort of professional manager and he raised the standards at the club in terms of the, the quality of the training and the quality of the signings. And from that point, they've just gradually built on it and built on it. I think Grant McCann came in and he sort of rode on the coattails of what Fergie put in place, if you like, Grant McCann. He sort of came in with an attitude of, we'll go for it. We'll be a bit, we'll leave, we'll be even more, a bit more positive in the way that we play. We'll be a bit more ruthless. And he brought a couple of young, lo- young loan lads in, in Herbie Kane and Malik Wilkes, who really hit the ground running. And the team sort of overachieved that season, reaching the playoffs, almost getting to the final. It was almost a Doncaster Sunderland final, which would have left me in all sorts of trouble, I think. 
<laughs> um, but they just they just missed out losing to Charlton in the playoff semi final. Grant McCann moves on, and then they they pull a bit of a rabbit out of the hat really by bringing in Darren Moore, who has done an absolutely phenomenal job really to continue the good work. And while they've managed to get bring in a figurehead like Darren, who's a great guy, absolutely great guy. He used to play for Doncaster um, during his playing career, so he's really popular with the fans. Um, a meticulous kind of manager, um, but what what they've done is while while they were able to get him in, they've, they've built up behind the scenes. So they brought in a recruitment guy from Shrewsbury, um, Adam Henshaw, who's really raised the bar in terms of recruitment. Um, they've also got um, a sort of club Doncaster model, if you like, where they're a bit umbrella in term with the Doncaster Bells and the rugby team, and they're able to generate revenue through that side of things as well. So there's kind of like a business element to the club as well and a, a charity foundation. So as a club, it's just, I think what I'm ultimately trying to say is they've just kind of built on it and got stronger and stronger and stronger. They're not big spenders. They're not big peers in this league. There's teams with um, far bigger resources, Sunderland, Hull, Portsmouth, Ipswich. But I think what they've done is they've, they've built a real kind of family, community-oriented club and through, through the values of that, you know, the, the togetherness, team spirit, they've got something quite good going on here. And, and Darren Moore, like I say, he, he's been brilliant in terms of what yeah. he's done this season. Like you say, during a pandemic, not, not even the most optimistic of Doncaster fans would have expected the club to have been in this position. I think that they might have hoped to have challenged for a playoff place, but they're in with a genuine shout if they can keep it going. They, they didn't play well against Fleetwood this midweek. Um, that they, they, they lost um, quite badly. Actually, it was a really poor performance, mm. but they've been on a, a fantastic run, um, winning games for fun, really, over the last uh, last few weeks. Yeah, well, I mean, just on, on Darren Moore, because, I mean, it was kind of summer, I think it was July 2019, he took over uh, from Grant McCann after he went to Hull, like you said. But, I mean, at the time, I mean, I, I remember thinking, you know, he was unlucky to lose his job at West Brom. Yeah. Did a decent job there. He had them kind of, you know, looking like they were going to get promoted and then kind of got, got sacked towards the end there. And it was only, I think it was only about a month or so, or a couple of months or after that, losing his job at the Hawthorns, where he got the, the Doncaster job. It seemed like a bit of a coup at the time. Yeah. I mean, was everyone surprised that they got him because I mean I had him yeah I would have said oh well he'll wait for a championship job to come along and, and pleasant, pick one of those pleasantly or... surprised I think having that connection with the club from the past you know he was loved here by the they loved him they loved him as a big defender uh, who gave his all for the club and I think he saw that emotional connection and just thought it was a, a great chance to get back into work quickly I think some managers you know if you stay too long out of the game you can quickly be forgotten and mm. Uh, so he saw it as a perfect opportunity to get his foot back in the door. And there's, there's a nice little project to work on here. You know, it's, like I say, it's not just the football club. There are other elements to what's going on here. It's, it's, it's a big project. It's, it's, there is a really good feel about the place. Uh, a lot of good people involved at the club. And, and Darren Moore as well, he's, he's the perfect kind of ambassador for that, I feel like, as well, because yeah. he is such a good guy, so well-respected. Um, he fits absolutely perfectly. Um, obviously, if he, if he does... If he doesn't get Doncaster promoted this season, then I think there are going to be clubs sniffing around in the summer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, just looking at last season, I mean, obviously last season kind of would have, was abandoned. Doncaster had games in hand; they were hovering just outside the playoffs. I mean, it, it sounds like even though they didn't make the playoffs, I mean, obviously they lost John Marcus as well at the, the beginning of that season. I mean, it sounded like you know that people thought he did a decent job, even though they didn't make the playoffs. 
Definitely, definitely. Um, it was kind of following on nicely, I think, from the team that Grant McCann put together. What they have here, they, they, they do tend to have a high turnover of players every summer, so it's almost a case of rebuilding every summer. And I think probably a lot of clubs are going to be in a similar boat this summer, given given the um, the pandemic and the situation with finances. But um, what they do as well at Doncaster as well is utilise the loan market brilliantly, which I'm sure we'll talk more about as we talk about the current team. But last season, yes, he, he just put together a, another good team. Um, and I think it was just around the time the season was curtailed that things were really actually starting to click into gear. They, they picked up Jacob Ramsey from Aston Villa, who's actually, he's just signed a new contract at Villa today, I think. Looks a player, he, he was sort of really coming into his own. And and there was a the the, the feeling was that Doncaster, I think, probably would have nicked in the playoffs if if last season had continued. I mean, it's interesting you said that. I mean, I was going to touch on because I was looking at all the business they did in the summer, and I couldn't quite believe you know the the kind of the turnover that happened in the summer. So I mean, yeah, how how does that how how do expectations fall after they they do that every summer? So at the beginning of the season, once all the business was done, yeah. what were the expectations for Doncaster this season? I, I yeah, I think people are getting used to the way that they do the business. It's not. It wasn't everyone's cup of tea in terms of the way they use the loan market. They bring in a lot of loans, but they use they they use the good reputation of the club, if you like, to build good relationships with Premier League clubs, and they do. It does give them access to a really high quality of player, which you otherwise would they wouldn't be able to afford. In terms of expectations, I think generally, I think Doncaster fans want to see their team um, pushing to be in that top six every season. I think that's probably the where they want to be. The club, I think, budget themselves to be around that sixth spot. They say that their budget is around the sixth, sort of seventh, eighth, ninth, best budget in the league. Now, of course, this season, again, is is totally alien. The financial situation was quite grim, actually, at Doncaster in the summer. They had to lay um, quite a number of ad- admin staff off, if you like. So, again, that is really further evidence of just how well they've, they've managed to do this season in terms of on the pitch to, to be where they are. In in these circumstances, is 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 really it's it's great work from Darren Moore, his staff, and, and the players as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, looking at the table, you know, sitting sitting in fifth, but uh, two or three games in hand over the teams above them, only sitting a point behind Hull, but they've got three games in hand. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I mean, I was looking looking as well earlier in the season. I mean, their form seemed to be slightly kind of inconsistent up to around. Actually, looking at it, the last time they faced Sunderland at the end of November, which uh, would you believe it, Sunderland drew ones each. Yeah. Um, which Sunderland seemed to like doing for the last <laughs> three three years. Um, but since then they've won ten out of the last thirteen in League One. I mean, around that time, did something change in terms of tactics or personnel, or did they just start getting the results that their performances warranted? I think it might be the case that they're rebuilding the whole squad every season. It does take maybe a little bit of time to click into gear, but from what I remember, that they did actually start the season probably very well, surprisingly well, given that turnover. And then I think, similar to last season, they went through a phase actually where teams found them out a little bit. What opposing teams were doing, including Sunderland, were almost man-marking Ben Whiteman. And he was really the central man. Everything goes through him. He would sit in front of the back four and dictate the play. And opposing teams were becoming wise to it, if you like, and, and trying to cut Ben Whiteman out of the game. So I think they had a little bit of a phase where they had to kind of work through that and, and try and find alternative ways of, of getting by that. And then all of a sudden, whether it was that Sunland game or not, they have, they've gone on a brilliant run. But I, I just think it's, um, 
They've got a very strong identity in the way that they play. They're, they're very well coached, um, not just by Darren Moore. They've got a guy, Jamie Smith, on the coaching staff who was a fullback at Wolves, I think, in his playing days. He may or not remember him. They're a very yeah. well coached team and they're, they're very well organised. They, they just know their roles. They know what they're doing. Um, the manager puts a lot of faith into his players and it's, it was just working, you know, momentum gathered, confidence gained. And yeah, you were going into games thinking, yeah, really confident here. They're going to pick up a result. And what is it now? Nine, nine wins from the last 11 games. That's some run, really, when they've had a, a lot of players out injured as well. So they're in a great position. Whether they can maintain it for top two, I'm not too sure. You'd be really disappointed now if they finish outside the top six. But yeah, it's, it's a great position to be in. Yeah. You talk about that run as well, but they've taken the opportunity to actually strengthen in January. I mean, yeah. on paper, when I was looking, it seemed like a fairly successful January window. I mean, I saw Scott Robertson, I think, from from Celtic, uh, Omar Bogle, Josh Sims, which looks like an important signing oh, yeah. from, from Southampton, Matt Smith, um, and, and John Bostock as well, which is quite interesting. But uh, are Doncaster quite pleased with their business during it's, the window? Considering they've lost Ben Whiteman, who was such a star man, he was the key man, really. Considering you've lost him in January and you're coming out of the window feeling like you've had a good window is, is quite incredible. Uh, and credit to the club, you know, in these difficult times, they've, they've not just used that Ben Whiteman money to fill like a black hole left by COVID. They could have easily, you know, just used that money to, to plug the gaps in the finances this season. They've, they've gone out, they've invested, they've brought in even more loan players. They've actually got seven loan players now. You're only allowed five um, in the squad. I know a couple of them are out injured at the minute, so it works okay. And like you say, they've gone out and got Omar Bogle on an 18th month deal, John Bostock on an 18 month deal. He'll bring a bit of experience, a bit of know-how to the group. So it's it's fairly encouraging. And, and like I say, a few of those players have been missing during this this run of form. So if you think if you can bring those players back in, that that does give you plenty of optimism for the remainder of the season. And yeah, Josh Josh Sims is the one you'd, you'd pick out of the names that you've just mentioned. He is he's far too good for this level. Um, they've done brilliantly to get him back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He picked up a hamstring injury, and I think everybody just thought, "Well, that's it, Josh. Well, thanks, thanks for the service. He'll be off to a championship club." But it's indicative, really. I think of the kind of environment at Rovers that he thinks it's best for his career to come and maybe finish the job here and get a a promotion on his CV. He's obviously enjoyed himself under the the manager and the environment of the club. So that I think that is a good indication of the sort of feeling that you get within the club here. Yeah, on the face of it, it seems seems like a daft thing to do. Take him away from somewhere where he's enjoying it to, you know, risk putting him in somewhere where he's not going to enjoy his football or the player with a defensive style that, you know, doesn't let him do what he wants to do. But uh, yeah, I was I was I was surprised because obviously I mean when even when you see him for Southampton, you know he's a player. Yeah. Um on the odd occasion. But um but a fantastic bit. Matt, Matt Smith as well, centre midfield. He, yeah. he seems like a good signing as well. Very good. And he's he's come into his own since um, Ben Whiteman moved on. Somebody really had to step up to the plate in that. They play either a 4-1-4-1 or a 4-2-3-1. And, and the style is very much passing through the thirds, play out from the back. And they'll stick to that religiously. They'll, they will. They'll stick to it. They'll stick to the game plan. So they, need, they needed somebody to effectively replace Whiteman. And yeah, Matt Smith's put his hand up and he, he's really shown actually over the last month or so why. He's um he's already an international player with Wales. He's mm. he's really done well with his his range of passing and 
he's tenacious, you know, he's tenacious. He can get about the pitch, and there's a nice, there's a really nice blend um, in that midfield. Uh, so yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say he's quite young as well. He's only twenty two, twenty three, yeah. something like that. Yeah, young lads, young lads, and this is this is what I'm saying about they they kind of play with no fear, and and this is why I enjoy enjoy watching them. You know, there's no fear yeah. in their approach. That they're good technical players. They've got a way of playing, and they stick to it. And yeah, it makes a bit of a, a when you compare it with what's going on at Sunderland. It's a, it's a very interesting contrast, actually. Yeah, we still still got that to come, but uh, but actually, I, I wanted to touch uh, quickly on uh, on John Bostock actually because uh, it made us feel a little bit old when I looked him up, and uh, he wasn't even in his thirties yet, <laughs> which I found quite quite incredible. Um, he's come back to England after seven years of playing in various places in Europe. Uh, I mean, it looks like a clever piece of business, but I mean, I haven't seen him play for probably a decade, best part of a decade. So, I mean, is he slotted in nicely? You're the same as most of us. It's it's a great name, isn't it? A real sort of championship manager name, if you like, mm. from the uh, yeah. from the good old days. He <laughs> um, certainly comes across like a good guy. Um, he's got his own YouTube channel, believe it or not. Uh, he's very oh, right. out, very forward in terms of his his media work, and but he seems um, intent on on coming in and, and making a good impression and like I say I think just having that little bit of experience that he'll bring will be will be useful um, he looks short in March, match fitness at the minute he played against Fleetwood during midweek and he mm-hmm. he looked a little bit off the pace but technically strong on the ball he gives Doncaster a bit more physicality as well he's a big lad um, so on yeah on paper it looks like a pretty pretty good addition uh, you, you mentioned it before and I saw I think it was two or three weeks back now that uh, Darren Moore seemed to be um, heavily linked with uh, Sheffield Wednesday. W- was there any kind of truth in that? Was it all rumours? And is it going to be a constant concern when championship jobs come up that Darren Moore's name is going to be linked to it? From what I understand, I don't think there was much in that at all. I think that was a bit of pure speculation and a bit of paper talk. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, I think at the moment, are ticking over with their caretaker manager. They, they're getting results and I think they'll mm. they'll leave it be for the, for the time being. Whether... That vacancy comes up in the summer, like I say, it might be a different kettle of fish. But Darren Moore, I think he's the kind of man. He's very loyal, um, and I think he'll want to see this job through at least at least to the end of the season, and see what he can do with it. Um, it is it is a worry. It is a worry, and it's you know it's happened. They have had to change manager quite frequently um, over the last few years, and you don't really want to be having to do that too often. But it's I suppose it reflects where Doncaster are. As a as a club, they're at a certain level, but obviously bigger clubs bigger clubs can come along and and, and pay x amount of money, and they are going to lure certain players and, and managers away. Unfortunately, unless Rovers can get into that championship, the promised land. Yeah, yeah, you never know, but he he, he does seem quite a loyal. Yeah, who, really. Uh, yeah. It would actually surprise me if he jumped ship, but yeah, at this at this point, know. definitely. Um, we'll see where we're at in the summer. I, I'm I'm pretty nervous about that. I have to say, I think. It's inevit- <laughs> It's inevitable. If he does well at Doncaster, if he gets a top six finish, it's inevitable that big clubs are going to take take notice. Yeah, it comes with the territory of, uh, of yeah. doing well, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, looking at, I mean, obviously we mentioned Marcus who who left just uh, when Moore took the job. But uh, I mean, looking at goal scorers now, um, Okenabiri. I don't know whether I pronounced <laughs> that right. Close. I've had yeah. a go at it, but he he appears to be the danger man this season. Ten goals in all competitions, but. Uh, but I mean, he seems a very different player to what Marcus was, and Marcus was that kind of point person for for years for for Doncaster. Yeah. But uh, 
mean, is that being like taking some getting used to? Because he seems to have been the 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 kind of the one up front, but he seems to be more someone who gets in behind rather than do what Marcus did. Yeah, he's. Where do I start with Okunabiri? He's he's a very different type of player. Marcus used to absolutely run his socks off in terms of his work ethic, and he brought that element to the team. He's a bit of a sort of nasty piece of work, if you like, winding people up. But he, he got his fair share of goals as well, didn't he? So all all round, he was he was a fantastic signing for the club. Okanabiri, initially, I didn't think he was a natural sort of goal scorer, but he has come up with some very nice finishes recently. And when he gets the service, he, he is a very capable finisher. He, he holds the ball up quite well for the team. He just generally does a fairly steady job but doesn't sort of catch the eye, I think, as much as John Marquis maybe did. Um, I, f- I felt a little bit of sympathy for Okanabiri, actually. At the start of the season, he was dropped. He was dropped for the first game in favour of a young lo- young lone lad that they brought in, which was a big call from, from Moy. He played um, a lad called Tyrese John Jules, who they've got on loan from Arsenal. And technically, you can see he's a very, very promising player with a bit of physical stature about him as well. But then Okanabiri, he got injured, John Jules. He's been a bit injury prone. He's out, out injured again currently. And Okanabiri's come in and he's he's done well. He's done well for the team. But the problem that Rovers have got is they haven't got any other strikers in reserve. So he's, he's having to play almost every single minute up top. And it's it's been a bit of a graveyard shift for him, actually. He's, he's had his work cut out this season. But yeah, in terms of a goal return, he's he's doing quite well. One other player I wanted to mention was uh, the Doncaster Rovers attacking midfielder, Rhys James. Um, <laughs> I, know, I, know. <laughs> the, I mean, the more I thought about it, the more kind of made sense of the type of player he actually is, you know, especially when I read he, he seems lately to have been deployed kind of on the left of the three behind the striker. But I did notice that only, I mean, in the Sunderland squad, only Charlie Wyke has actually scored more goals wow. this season than Rhys James, there's there's a like stat to well put there. things into context. Yeah, he's a, he's a good fo- he's a good footballer and he's a good lad, Reese. I think he's like a popular member of the squad. Um, very sort of laid back character. Gets on with people. Just gets on with his job. And he's probably a better footballer than actually people maybe at Sunderland thought. And Darren Moore again has, has shown a lot of trust in him, and he's stuck him in a central midfield position. And he's he's thrived in the role. He's done a really steady job. Technically, he's held held his own. Um, he's a mobile lad as well. He can get about the pitch. And yeah, ad- adaptability. And it's it's been one of the themes of this season, really, from a, from a Doncaster perspective, that, like I say, they've got this formation. And I think every player in the squad knows what's required in every role. So Moore has been able to play players out of position. And he's been able to move players around and fill in when they've had injuries. And, and that has really helped, I think, galvanise the squad. It's helped because they've only got a small squad. So Reese James, for instance, has played at left-back, left-midfield, centre-midfield. Um, the right-back, Brad Halliday, he's played on the right wing. He's played as a defensive central midfielder. Um, Okanabiri has played as a central striker and he's played out wide. So it's it's kind of a theme of the season, really, that the players have, have been fantastic the way that they've adapted to it. And, and Darren Moore's put a lot of trust in his players and they've delivered the goods. Yeah, you're making us feel a little bit better about Max Power at right back at the minute. So that, that's, yeah. <laughs> But we'll, we'll, co- we'll come on to Sunderland now. Um, and I don't know if this point, Paul, you want to 
kind of keep your journalist hat on or whether you put you want to put your fan hat on mm. or, or what if you want to try and be objective about Sunderland which is probably difficult we're at home on Saturday and we've won four and lost four out of 13 at the stadium like this season which puts us 14th on the table based on on home form which is pretty incredible um and I've noticed actually Doncaster's home re- record is actually pretty kind of fantastic this this term I mean is it just a season for weird anomalies like our home record because without the fans and things or do, do league one opposition still look at Sunderland as a big skull oh yeah without doubt without doubt teams are going up to the stadium all right and that they're raising the game aren't they they're raising the game they're loving it it's like you get into that ground as a league one player and it's like a cup final isn't it and you can see, I think, in in terms of some of the celebrations from the opposing players when they score at the stadium of light, you can see they're absolutely they're loving it. I think Gilling of the Gillingham game springs to mind there, the celebrations there when they got that last gasp equaliser. But that's something Sunderland players have got to live with, you know. That's part of the territory of being a Sunderland player. You've got to deal with that. And I, I genuinely thought this season... You know, the the fans have been blamed in the past, haven't they, for the, for the poor home record? <laughs> well, you can't blame... Can't blame the fans anymore. And I don't know, it just does it expose that the flaws in the squad even more? Does it expose that the flaws under Phil Parkinson and, and now under Lee Johnson? Because there's there's no there's no excuses really. There's no hiding place now. Um and, and like you say, that home record there, what is it, four four wins from thirteen. Yeah, four that's, wins from thirteen. That's appalling. I mean you're not you're not going up. You're not you're not gonna win automatic promotion with, with home form like that. No, I mean, with obviously covering Doncaster, I don't know if you get to actually see many Sunderland games or whether whether you have two streams on the go at the same time. <laughs> occasionally, <laughs> yeah, occasionally. But I think it's been a blessing in disguise that obviously, obviously, I have to keep an eye on Doncaster more and more often than not. There is a clash, so I don't get to see Sunderland as much as as you guys, which which might be a blessing. And um, the games that I have seen at, on Sky, and uh, I think there was a Fleetwood game earlier in the season, and it's been. It's been real, real struggle, a real chore to watch. Um, and it's just, a, like I said, I think before we came out, it's just an interesting contrast with this Doncaster team. They've got a, very much an identity, a way of playing. They've got a bit of flair up top. They've got a bit of pace. And I think Sunderland are moving towards that. I think that's exactly what Lee Johnson wants to bring in. He wants to see that energy up top, that dynamism that we're really lacking. But I think he's slowly starting to realise now. I think what he's let himself in for, it, it's looking like a, a huge job to turn this around. And the sooner we get the new owners in, the better, really. And it's going to be a massive window in the summer. Let's see what we can do this season. I think we'll be lucky to scrape the playoffs, to be honest, this season. And then it's a huge rebuilding job in the summer for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, midweek was a was a shambles um, at Shrewsbury. Uh, I mean... Speaking to people at home and stuff, do you get a sense of just how bad we've been recently? Just um, the depressing conversations about it, to be honest. Yeah, it is. It's just a bit gloomy. And yeah, I listen to the um, the lads on Radio Newcastle quite a lot. Like that keeps me in touch with, with what's going on. And it, it's just, I, I just find it really, really quite sad, to be honest. Because I, I mean, I started watching something, the, it was the late 80s. So I saw that the run, the road to Wembley, the cup final season, and then those great seasons, the, the final few seasons at Roger Park, and then obviously the, the momentum that went with the move to the Stadium of Light and fantastic times. But it, it feels almost like you're being really nostalgic and living in the past now because the club <laughs> has been in a black hole for what a, the best part of a decade really now. And, and I just worry now, Chris, that the kind of that losing mentality is 
it's broken the club to a certain extent and we've got to rebuild it. We've, we're rebuilding it from scratch and I'm really fearful that we're, we're going to be stuck in this division for a while longer yet because I, I do just think there are, there are serious issues, perhaps some of them lurking underneath the surface um, and it's, it's, it's in a real mess and it, it needs sorting out drastically and I, I wish Lee Johnson and the new owner all the best with it because it's it's a huge job. I think they I think they're going to need that. Um, I mean, talking about the job, I mean they've getting on with it in January. Um, done some business, of course. Um, I mean, looking at the business being done across League One, how do you rate what business we've done? You know, Winchester coming in from Forest Green, Ross Stewart, Jake Vaukins, Jordan Jones, um, as well as kind of Will Grigg and Danny Graham leaving the club. Yeah, I was pleased to see those two go. I think you've got to try and move on um in a different direction um but the the jury's out really the jury's out on signings like winchester and i'm not i'm not convinced i'm not convinced at all and i think to a certain extent the club have been limited um by the wage cap haven't they this time around which of course those goalposts are moving as we speak so there might be room in the summer to to do something a bit more and, and set the bar a bit higher in terms of the, the quality of the signings yeah, it's weird. It's it's just almost like you want to start from scratch. My thing, I I just my own my own worry is there's a, there's a, a real mentality issue if you like because for me the best team this season in League One the best team that I've seen is Lincoln and yet and yet Sunderland have gone down there and won four nil which which says to me that we've got the ability on paper we've got the ability to do a lot better than what we are doing. So I start I start to wonder whether there's a serious kind of mentality issue behind the scenes. Is there is there a real drive for success behind the scenes? Are people really, you know, busting the balls to, to su- su- succeed for this club? Or is there is there kind of an acceptance of mediocrity? Has the club got into a, a bit of a mess? Because from what I saw on Netflix... I, I saw a bit of a cultural problem there and it, it wasn't just the playing side of things, it was on the admin side of things as well. And f- for me, that the club needs basically to, to wipe the slate clean and, and start from scratch again. Yeah. Well, actually, I've been talking about that Lincoln game. I mean, we could have easily been 2-0 down in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and then we got a cu- couple of goals, which meant kind of their heads went down. And I mean, it's just one of them seasons, I think, where, uh, I mean, with, with fans not being there, the odds kind of strange result just just crops up now and again that's true but what a difference as well it makes when if Sunderland well I say that it didn't work last but if, if we get the first goal and teams have to come out and they open up and then we can take advantage of the gaps that that leaves and I think that happened at Lincoln Lincoln are an open team that will come out and play and, and they left the gaps for Sunderland to go and completely destroy them And but it, this scenario of just constantly drawing games and, and not putting games to bed is it's just for me, that's indicative of, of, of a more maybe underlying issue. There's something just not quite right. Is that for it to keep happening and keep happening again and again and again? It's it's just not right and it's just not good enough. Well, I mean, we're talking about new eras and all of that sort of stuff. We're expecting, or hoping, fingers crossed, the takeover to be confirmed any day now, which we've been saying since Christmas. Uh, Kirill Lewis uh, Dreyfus, sorry, taking over from Stuart Donald. What are your thoughts on on that takeover? I mean, we're assuming that it's going to go through at some point, but I mean, we're talking about the salary cap and the the ruling. You know that that that's not going to be coming into force in the way that they wanted it to come into force. Uh, can he make an impact quite quickly within kind of a summer window? 
Uh, yeah, he'd have to be given this summer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, like you say, the salary cap—that is a potential game changer, isn't it? As far as we're concerned, mm. as far as Sunderland are concerned, um, that could really change things and just give us a bit more room for manoeuvre in terms of investment. Not that sort of throwing the checkbook has done us any favours in the past. I, I don't <laughs> think that's the answer to all of our problems. Again, I think there are, there are fundamental things that need need to be improved. And from what I've heard of. Um, Speakman, I've listened to a bit of him and they're, they're saying all the right things aren't they, they're saying all the right things about the structure of the club and the, the academy but there's there's an awful lot to be sorted out and I think Sunderland fans now are really teetering on the brink you can you can only say so much and, and hear the so much you, you want to see it on the pitch and there's there's got to be that There's got we've got to start seeing evidence of that on the pitch but I would urge people to to get off Lee Johnson's back for starters this season, I think he's walked into an absolute minefield, really. Let's see what he can do, make the best of a bad job this season. Let's see if we can sneak in the playoffs and take it from there. And if it's not to be this season, then really, whew, we've got to hope next season is the start of a, a, a bright new era. We'll end on that positive note for on Sunderland. But uh, back to Saturday, um, Doncaster taking along nicely, as we said. Tucked in behind the leaders with games in hand. Do you think this is a bigger game for Sunderland with the emphasis on them to go out and get three points than it is for Doncaster to get the result? Uh, I think it's a big game for both teams, given where they are in the in the, in the league. Um, I know what you mean. For Sunderland, they've got to start. They've got to start winning games, haven't they? Not just winning the odd game here or there. They've got to start putting a run together, a serious run together to get in. Not just in. Um, top, you know, not we're not just talking automatic, but just to get in the playoffs, they've got to start putting the run together. Yeah. But for Doncaster, they're coming into this game on the back of a little, little bit of a concerning run. Not too concerning. You can't say that really after nine wins out of eleven. But they played poorly against Fleetwood, and they had a they got results actually against Lincoln and Oxford in the the games previous to that. They 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 managed to beat them, but they were very much backs to the wall performances uh, where they didn't really dominate the ball like, like they used to, but they, they found a way of grinding out wins. So the form, the, the way that they like to impose themselves on the game, that's just kind of dipped in the, over the last three games. So that they're going to Sunderland just, just needing to arrest that and just need to address a couple of issues really and get back to a good level of performance. So it's, yeah, yeah. again, you could, you could Doncaster, I've seen them at the stadium alike where they completely went into the shells and were like, Rabbits in, in the headlights one year um, and then I think the following season they went up there and defended quite for their lives and, and dug out a nil-nil draw but I, I think you'll get a Doncaster team who are, who are well up for it on Saturday and they'll dig in um, show a lot of determination um, no doubt will end 1-1 like <laughs> my, my, my next kind of note I had was to say uh, that Saturday is like screams out that it's going to be a 1-1 Definitely. Um, with the psych- yeah. I mean, because it's a psychology is interesting, isn't it? That, you know, the positions of the clubs. Yeah. I, I, I think Doncaster will be more than happy to come up, get a, yeah. get a draw. Yeah. Take- they'll not play. They'll not play for a draw. They're not the sort of team who'll play, go out and purposefully play for a draw. They might start the game, um, sort of tentatively, and you know, make sure they do the basics right and get. But they'll not. They'll not sit there with ten men behind the ball all game I wouldn't have thought they'll try and express themselves um, and they've got young players who are capable of uh, producing a bit of magic as well we've, we've not really mentioned Taylor Richards who's on loan from Brighton but he's, he's really is genuinely one to watch he's got a bit of 
class about him and he can produce something out of nothing. Um, so they are they are capable, Donny, of going up there and, and getting a result. In, in fact, from a, from a Sunderland supporting perspective, actually, this is probably the most nervous I've been in terms of Donny might be able to, to pull this off this time. And just because they have got a they have got something up the sleeve in terms of being able to produce a bit of bit of quality. Um I don't think Josh Sims is fit enough yet. I don't think he'll feature. But they have they have they have got it in the locker and it'll be an interesting be an interesting game. Yeah. So uh, I assume are you watching it on the, the stream like the rest of us? I, I imagine so, yeah. 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 It's a it's a shame. I imagine this one your hand would have went straight up, you would have been kind of up the M one or the A one. Well, that's it. I usually go up, make a bit of a weekend of it. I stayed stayed in the Hilton last time. Absolutely loved that. You know, catching up with mates, night out after the game. It's but it's a different mm. world we're living in at the minute, isn't it? And so I think I'll just Absolutely. stay at home and watch it on the watch it on the web. Yeah. So I assume uh, with with both your fan hat and your journalist hat on, you're going for one one on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's a pretty safe bet, isn't it? If Sunderland are involved, <laughs> like yeah, and and like you said, yeah. I think a draw would be. Would be seen as a decent decent outcome for for Donny, given the the slip up against Fleetwood, just to, just to get back get back on track. So yeah, one one nailed on. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna check the odds as soon as we, <laughs> we finish up here. I think, but uh, but yeah, I hope you enjoy your Saturday afternoon watching the game, regardless. Um, and that just leaves me to say thank you very much for your time, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, cheers, Chris. Good to hear the accent again, and thanks for having me on again. <laughs> Good stuff. We'll we'll try and uh, we'll try and check it out and see if we can sort something out for you for your hat trick appearance for this <laughs> next time or, or whether this was it. But uh, thanks for joining us. There. Thanks thanks again for that. Lovely stuff. Cheers, Chris. All the best. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Look out for for Dow Player Ratings pods that should drop uh, soon after the final whistle. Uh, but from us, it's bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.